Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. You're in the room today, and you have served in the military in any way. Will you stand right where you are? We want to honor you. Yeah, come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I want to and I want to say this too. If you're in the room today and you've served, or if you have a family member that served, or somebody you you know that has lost their life, that they uh, lost their life serving our country. Will you stand? Is that anybody today? We want to honor whoever it is that you, yes. We, we have a tendency, yeah, we have a tendency to, to take for granted um, the freedom that we have and the price that was paid and uh, loved ones that were lost and people that uh, we'll never see again because of uh, their willingness to, to go into battle and serve our country. And we are, it's, it, it, it amazes me every time we stop and think about it, how we are literally in this room because of the price that people paid to serve our country and to allow us to have this freedom to be here and worship our God and, uh, and be in a room like this. So I uh, want to take a moment as well and pray for another church in our community as we do every single week. And I want to pray for Blossom Church of God. So will you bow your heads? Let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this room to worship you and give you praise and to grow in your word. Lord, we thank you for Blossom Church of God. We pray for their pastor, their leadership, their congregation, Lord, that they would be in your will, that you would use them, that you would do what only you can do in their midst, even today as they gather. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Couple of things really quickly. Summer kickoff party is this Saturday. So Reno Park from four to seven. You don't have to be there the whole time, but we'd love for you to be there the whole time. Uh, we're going to have uh, burgers. We're going to have lots of fun. We're going to have a great time, just fellowship with our church family. And so we would love for you to be there. We'll have the playground there. We're going to have water slide for the kids, uh, inflatables, all these things. And so uh, it's going to be a great time, but we want you to be there. It's this coming Saturday. So mark it down and uh, make plans to join us as we kick off the summer. And then next Sunday is when all of our school-age kids move to their next class. So those that just finished a grade, uh, if they're moving into first grade or they're moving into fifth grade or moving into seventh grade, those will uh, transition classes, and that'll be next Sunday. So don't forget that when you show up next Sunday, your kid may be going to a different classroom uh, as they move up into uh, a different area of ministry in the church. And then grow groups next week begin for the summer semester. It's always a shorter semester. It's six weeks long. We'd love for you to be in a group. We know you're going to be gone. We know you're going to be out. We know you've got vacation and trips. And thank the Lord for those things. I'm looking forward to those things as well. And a lot of stuff going on in the summer months. But when you're here, we want you to be in community. We want you to continue to grow and uh, growing your faith, growing your relationship with others, and being a group. So this week, they're all live online, so you can go on the Church Center app uh, or on the website, and you can find all the group options. Get signed up for a group, be in a group. They start next week. The first one will be next Sunday. Uh, so, so keep that in mind. And then they all end with our big citywide serve day on July the 15th. That's going to end our summer semester of groups where we all join together and we serve our community, several different projects. And so here in the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting all that information out to you as well so that you can sign up for the team that you want to be on for that day. It's always a fun, it's one of my favorite days of the year uh, where we gather together and just tons of people 
serving at schools and, and, and nonprofits and organizations all across our community. It's always a great time. So we'll be letting you know more about that. So last week we began a series that we're calling For Your Good. It's all about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is our theme verse for this series. It's found in John 16 and verse 7. Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so we know this, that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Here is, Here's what's better for you. It's better for you that I leave. It's, better, it's for your good. It's to your advantage, some translations would say, that I go back to heaven so that I can send the Holy Spirit who was promised to you by your heavenly Father. And so Jesus says it's for our good that he went away, the Holy Spirit comes. And in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about over several weeks things like how the Holy Spirit helps us and how we can walk with him, the gifts that he gives, the fruit he produces, uh, how he gives us power, how we can receive him, all of these things. And here's the reason why we did a series uh, on the Holy Spirit specifically about three years ago, and I felt the Lord leading us back into this again, because we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And many of us, the reality when we go into a series like this is many of us are uh, maybe just uneducated. Maybe you grew up and you really didn't hear a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. You didn't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. You heard a lot about God. You heard a lot about Jesus, but not a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And so it's interesting to me that when you read your Bible, if you go through your Bible, it is impossible for you not to run into the Holy Spirit everywhere that you read. I mean, you're constantly running into the Holy Spirit. You read something and it's, there's the Spirit, and there's the Spirit, and there's the Spirit. And all, even in the Old Testament, there's the Spirit. And so we need to be educated. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what He does for us and what He produces in our lives and all these things. And then there's another group of people that uh, we said it last week, you're, you're, you know, you're afraid, you're terrified, you're fearful. You, know, you saw somebody do something crazy one time and you thought, I don't know if I want anything to do with that. Or maybe you, you, know, you, you heard somebody, anybody ever, anybody ever just heard somebody say that they experienced somebody else doing something? It was like, you know, this one time I was at this place and this person did that and they told you this story and you were like, woo, thank God I'm not at you know, any place like that, right? And it just makes us fearful. And I said it last week, but I'll say it again. Isn't it just a great tactic of the enemy to make us afraid of the person who gives us the power to live this Christian life, right? Gives us the power to be a witness and to do all the things that God's called us to do. And then there is no, uh, there's some of us that you're just curious, you know? And some of you know, you know, you've studied who the Holy Spirit is and he's active in your life. And there's some of you that are just curious. Like, I'd, I want to know more. Tell me more. How can you, you know, how can you inform me in this way. And here's the question that we're asking is if you're not afraid of the Father and you're not afraid of Jesus, then why should you be afraid of the Holy Spirit? If you're not afraid of God the Father and you're not afraid of God the Son, then why would you be afraid of God the Holy Spirit? And I want to encourage you again to let your guard down. Hopefully you did that last week and we talked about, you know, just an introduction to who the Holy Spirit is, really. But hopefully you're letting your guard down, right? Let go of all the things that maybe have freaked you out or the things that you, you know, I, don't, I didn't understand that or I didn't get that. And what we're going to do in this series is as we let our guard down, we're just going to let God's word show us who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives and how we can walk with him and all these things. So last week, uh, really quickly, just to recap, if you weren't here, the title was Meet the Holy Spirit. We talked about how he's a person. And if you don't understand that he's a person, you won't develop a personal relationship with him. You can't walk in close fellowship with an it or a force. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he wants a relationship with you. We said that he's a promise. We looked at how the Old Testament promised him, and our Heavenly Father promised him. Jesus spoke about him, and now he's here, right? Where, where Peter comes out after the, the, the day of Pentecost, right? He walks out, and he preaches this message, and 
3,000 people get saved, and it was all about, hey, do you remember what the prophet Joel said? God kept his promise. He kept his promise. He's poured out his spirit on all people, right? And so the Holy Spirit is now here, and then we talked about how he gives us power. And hopefully you remember that illustration where if you've ever tried to drive a vehicle without power steering, and it's very hard. It's very difficult. I mean, it's, you're straining and, and, I mean, like you're sore after you drive a vehicle without power steering. And a lot of our lives are that way. We're living our lives without the power. We have not received the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have, we, it's not that we're not saved. It's not that the Holy Spirit has not sealed us. It's not any of those things. But we have just kind of stiff-armed the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives because of fear because of something we saw one time, because of a lack of understanding, whatever the case might be, and we need the power. We need his power. And so today, for part two of our series, we're going to be in Galatians 5. And uh, I want to read several verses. We'll start in verse 13. We'll go all the way through verse 26. This is what it says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now I want to talk on this subject today. I've titled this message, Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Lord, we just come to you right now and we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would use me as your mouthpiece. And Lord, you would teach us how to walk by your Spirit and what it looks like, and what you have provided for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so walk by the Spirit. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. Here's point number one. Believers are free. Believers are free. Now, I want to talk about freedom for just a few minutes. Believers are free. And if you go back all the way, we didn't read it a minute ago, but if you go all the way back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, this is what Paul says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So many of us would say we believe that as a follower of Jesus we have been set free. But the wording of the first part of this verse always intrigues me because it's like the, the writer Paul is trying to get us to see, hey, it's for you, like you've been set free so that you can live free. So don't go back to slavery and bondage to sin. Jesus set you free so that you can continue to live free and be free. Look back at verse 13 for just a moment that we read a minute ago. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly 
in love. So many of us would say, okay, as a believer, I'm free. As a follower of Jesus, I've been set free. But here's the problem with freedom. Freedom for a lot of us is this slippery word. It's like this, well, I'm free, so I can just do whatever. Well, I'm free, so I can just live however. And I, you know, we, we say things like, well, because I'm saved and I'm free, I'm just free to do whatever I want because God's grace will cover it. Is that a true statement? Yes, it is. God's grace is bigger than you can ever imagine. God's grace is greater than you can ever imagine. It covers more than you can ever imagine. There's nothing. I love when Jesus said one time, he said, there's nothing or nobody that can pluck you or take you out of my hand or even in my Father's hand. Like, God's grace covers everything. Past, present, and future sin. But we have a tendency as humans to use the freedom that we have been given to do whatever we want to do in the name of freedom and grace. And because I've been set free and because I've received God's grace, I can just do His grace will cover it. I can just do whatever I want. Well, because I'm saved and free, I can just live however I want because I'm on my way to heaven. And sometimes we have this tendency to think that being free means that we have the freedom to just do whatever we want to do. Even Paul himself said, everything may be permissible, but everything is not beneficial. Everything may be permissible, but everything is not beneficial. Will God's grace cover it? Yes, God's grace is bigger than we can ever imagine, but it is not an excuse for us to indulge the flesh and take advantage of God's grace. As believers, we've been freed from the bondage of sin because we've received God's grace when we placed our faith in Jesus. And we're not just free from the bondage of sin. We are free to live for him. We are free to walk into the responsibility. We're free to walk into relationship with him. We're free to walk into all of these things. We're free from something and to something. And we don't need to use our freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh. I love what Paul says when he says it this way to the Romans. In Romans chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? God's grace is not a license to indulge the flesh. It is freedom to live for him. It's freedom to live for God, to fulfill his purpose. We don't need to abuse God's grace and the freedom that we've been giving by just continuing to do and act however we want and really what we do is we walk back into slavery to sin a lot of times in our lives because we didn't understand what we were set free for so we walk back into the things that we wanted so desperately to be set free from and now we feel like we're free and we feel like we're free and we walk back into and we're going to talk a little bit about that more and what i believe is the reason we do that a lot of times here in point number two but before we do that i love ephesians chapter five and I want to read, I want to, I want to focus on verse 8, but I want to read verses 8 through 10. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. I love this. I think it's the New Living Translation that says, You were once in darkness, but now you are children of the light, so live like children of the light. You were once in darkness, but now you've been brought out of darkness, and now you're in light, and you're a child of God, so live like it. Live like it. Let your actions and your words and the things that you do and where you go, all of these things, let it reflect your relationship with God. Let it show people that you've been set free and that you are a child of God. And not only that, I love that at the end of that in verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. As believers who are free, 
We choose to live to please the Lord and not ourselves. In fact, we could sum this entire message up probably in this one statement. Stop living for you and live for the Lord. We have a tendency to live the life that we want to live with the purpose that we have in mind and how we want it to be instead of living for what pleases God. You're now in the light. Live as children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Believers are free. Here's point number two. There is a conflict. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have experienced this conflict. You have encountered this conflict in your life. Look back at verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. One translation I read said, for the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. When you're made alive in Jesus and you surrender your life to him, there is still this conflict. Now your spirit has come alive, but there is still a fleshly part of you. And I picture it in my mind almost like it's this, this, uh, this tug of war in essence to where God has this desire for your life, but your flesh wants this. And so a lot of times we're trying to, here, and here's the reality, we want to live for God. When you surrender your life to Jesus, really you have a desire to do what God wants you to do and to live pure and to be holy and all these things. But we, we forget a lot of times that there's this conflict going on and that we still have fleshly desires. And that's why we have to die to ourselves every day. Because our flesh wants to bring us back in. It's almost like this, it's not a fight that the flesh can win if we'll surrender to the Holy Spirit and we'll surrender to the power of God. But it's almost like this inside. You ever just felt like you were in just, just turmoil? It's like, I know what I should do. I think about Paul, and a lot of times we use this verse as an excuse to do whatever we want to do. And we kind of take it out of context. But Paul says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. But then he goes on and says, well, who can save me from this? Like, what is the answer to this? And he gives us the answer. He says, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. So you can win this battle because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. But man, we just have this tendency to keep getting sucked back into our fleshly desires. And Paul said, you've been set free so that you can live free. So don't keep going back and going into bondage to sin in your life. And here's the reality. For some of us, it might even be good things, and it might even be something like you like, well, I just that's not really wrong. But maybe for you, it is. Because when you were in that situation in your life, it led you down this deep hole that you know, you I can go there and do that all you want. But I can't go there and do that because it takes me down the wrong path every single time. You have fleshly desires, but your spirit has come alive when you give your life to Jesus. And you don't have to submit to all your fleshly desires. But here's the reality. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Anybody been here at the beginning of the year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And, and we all do pretty well for about the first five days. I mean, we're excited. We preach a message on it. We're pumped up. We're ready to go. I'm going to deny myself. And about five days in, what happens? Here's what doesn't happen. You start to deny yourself of the things that you have wanted so badly and deny yourself of these things so that you can seek God. And your flesh does not do this. Well, I'm just so glad that you have taken all of this away from me. And I'm, I'm just so glad that we're not watching TV right now. 
I'm just so glad that you're behind on all of your shows right now. I'm just so glad that we're not eating any meat right now. I'm just so glad that we're not eating any sugar right now. Your flesh does not do that. When you get a few days into that fast, you're denying your flesh, and your flesh starts to scream at you. And here's what many of us do. That voice gets louder than this one, and we go right back. To the thing that we said, God, I'm doing this for you. God, I'm doing this for you. And then we end up right back in the same place that we were. Because there's a conflict. And the flesh does not want what the spirit wants. And the spirit does not want for you what the flesh wants. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. And here's the reality. It's a choice that you've got to make every single day. You've got to get up on Monday morning and say, Whoo, who's going to win today? Am I, going to, am I going to lean into the Holy Spirit or am I going to give in to the flesh? Yeah. I'm going to make a choice today. I'm going to make a decision today. Our old nature wants to pursue sin. Our old nature wants to pursue selfishness. Our old nature wants to pursue sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I thought about trying to memorize that for you, but that was just going to be way too much to memorize. But these are the works of the flesh. This is what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants these things. But our new nature wants to follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and wants to pursue love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we're all probably familiar with this conflict between the flesh and the spirit and we have to kill the flesh and we have to feed the spirit. Maybe you've heard of this statement before. I love this statement. What you starve dies and what you feed thrives. What you starve dies and what you feed thrives. But you have to remember when you start to starve something out of your life, that fleshly side of you is going to yell back at you. And you've got to know who you are and know the power of God on the inside of you and that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. And I don't have to go back to that. I have overcome that and I've been set free from that. And I'm not going back to that. I'm going to live according to the spirit. Look at these verses. I love this. 2 Corinthians and in Galatians 2 Corinthians 5, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now, I want to stop and point out the fact that I love Paul because Paul says statements like this. Paul says things like, well, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So kill me, I win. Keep me alive, I win. Either way, I win. To live is Christ and to die is gain. If we're out of our mind, some people are saying we're out of our mind, oh, it's just for God. If we're in our right mind, oh, it's just for you. It's for your benefit. Either way, we win. It's just a win-win situation. What would it look like in your life? Just a little sidebar here. What would it look like in your life for you to start thinking of everything as a win? Like, whoo, I know this is tough right now, but my goodness. When I get on the other side of this, God's going to get so much glory. When that person comes to know Christ because of what I'm walking through, God's going to get so much glory. What if everything, what if you began to see everything through the lens of this is a win-win situation? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Take my life, be with Jesus. Leave me here, going to preach him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For Christ's love, oh, you're good. You're good, I promise. For Christ's love compels us, but we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer, look at this, live for themselves, but for him 
who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If the spirit and flesh are fighting each other, we need to kill the flesh. And we get to decide, we get to choose every day who's going to win today. Who's going to win today? Today I'm going to get up and I'm going to lean into the presence of God. I'm going to lean into my time with God. I'm going to lean into him. And I'm going to walk by the spirit. And then here's point number three. Give the Holy Spirit control. Give the Holy Spirit control. I love this. What is the solution to the conflict we experience? Here's what I think it is. Give the Holy Spirit control. Give the Holy Spirit control. Well, why do I keep doing what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do? Give the Holy Spirit control. Give Him control of your life. Here's our main verse for this entire message. It was verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, you don't indulge the flesh. And this word, the word walk can also mean to conduct or live your life. So when you think of walking in some way, you know, like, what, like the, the old song, walk this way, right? You know, like live your life this way. <laughs> conduct your life. Now you'll remember that point. <laughs> live your life. Conduct your life in, a, in this way. Living by the Holy Spirit. Being led and being guided by the Holy Spirit. When you live your life by the Spirit, you won't live your life for fleshly desires. I was thinking back, um, thinking back to something Jesus said when he was talking about serving God and, and our material possessions, and he makes the statement, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to love one and hate the other. You know, it's like, you, you can't do both at the same time. You're either serving God or you're serving your things. You can't, you can't do both. And I thought to myself, I think it could be the same with this. And what Paul is getting at when he says to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh is that you can't live for both at the same time. If you're walking according to the Spirit, I can't be in the flesh in the same moment. And if I'm walking, when was the last time that you were walking in the flesh and you were doing something in the flesh and you thought, whoo, I'm just serving God right now. You can't do both at the same time. So when you walk, that's why Paul says, he says, when you walk by the Spirit, you won't do these things. You won't live to gratify yourself because you're not living for yourself. You have died. You have died and now you are living according to the Spirit. We have to give the Holy Spirit control of our lives. And I want to ask you a question why are you, just think about this for a moment, why are you so nervous to give the Holy Spirit control of your life? Why are you so nervous? Why are you so reluctant to give Him control of your life, full control of your life? Maybe, could it be because you like being in control? In fact, you saw somebody one time do something that seemed out of control, and you thought to yourself, I will never be out of control. Am I preaching to anybody right now? 
You saw somebody one time and you thought they are out of control. And here's the reality. Here's the reality. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And here's the deal. God is a God of order. And God does things in order. But sometimes we don't understand some of the things that God does. And man, it is so funny because this was me. This was me. It's like you see somebody do something one time and it's like, I don't know if that's God. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're nervous to give. We don't want to give the Holy Spirit control because we like to be in control. Maybe this is another reason. Maybe you're nervous to give the Holy Spirit control because you don't trust him. Maybe you, I I was thinking about this, even in my own life, the difficulty of this sometimes. You pray for something and you don't see the answer that you wanted to see or or you were praying for something to happen and the opposite happens or whatever. And so you ever been in a place where you just started to kind of lose trust? You begin to wonder, like, can I trust God? Can I trust God? I don't know if I can really trust God, and because I don't know if I can really trust God, and I'm thinking that maybe I can't trust God, I don't want to give him control of my life. What if you're nervous to give the Holy Spirit control of your life because you still actually like the sin that's in your life? And your thought pattern is, I kind of like that. Like, I want to live for God like I want to be saved but I kind of like this on the weekend I kind of like that I don't know if I'm really ready to give that up and because because you actually still there's like a little you know it's like ah, we don't necessarily always admit this but there's like a little part of you just like just this much of you that still likes the sin. I, I was reminded of what a pastor said one time when he was asking the, the, his congregation. He said, does anybody enjoy sin? And everybody was just like that right there. It was, everybody was like, I don't know if I can. And he said, here's the reality. If you don't enjoy sin, you're doing it wrong. Because sin, listen to me, because sin is enjoyable for a season. But my goodness, at some point, the bill comes due. And we all get to that, come on, you ever experienced that moment where it was like, whew, sin was fun for a season, but now, even though I have been set free, and even though I have been delivered, and even though God's grace covers it, and even though I have been saved, I am still paying consequences for decisions that I made along the way because I was just living for me and doing my own thing. And God will help you through that. That's what I love. One of the things I love about God is even if you're in the middle of a consequence that you brought on yourself, God is still there in the middle of it with you, helping you get through it. Because that's how good he is. He's not going to just leave you there. He's going to walk you through that. Even though you made the decisions and you got yourself there, he's going to walk you through that. And he's going to be faithful. And he's going to see you through it. But man, at some point, when we just live our lives for ourselves, at some point the bill comes due. And there is a price to pay. And that's why we need to give control of our lives to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have been reluctant to give control of your life because you've never really even made the decision to follow Jesus. I don't know what it is for you. 
But I just want you to think about it. Maybe you think about it as the week goes on. Why am I, something comes up in your life and you're like, whew, God does not have control of my life in that area. You say something, it's like, hmm, God does not have control of my life in that area. And you ask yourself the question, why have I not given you control of my life in that area? What is the reason behind that? And I need to deal with that. God will help you through it. Look back at verses 24 and 25 in Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love this terminology, keeping in step, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, because it reminds me that, that we, letting the Holy Spirit guide us and letting the Holy Spirit direct us and following His leading, it's this continual, ongoing, everyday process. It's the I wake up on Monday and Holy Spirit, I give you control today. And on Tuesday, Holy Spirit, I give you control today. And on Wednesday, Holy Spirit, I give you control today. And on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and before you come to church next Sunday, I give you control of my life today. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not going to live indulging the flesh. I'm going to live and I'm going to keep in step with you. So I want to end with just a few practical things. How can we give the Holy Spirit control? And this, is, this may not be an exhaustive list, but I, these, these three things I keep coming back to, and you're going you're gonna to recognize them. You're going to recognize them. But it's like every so often, it's like we'll come back around to that and come back around to that and come back around to that so that hopefully at some point we'll get it. Hopefully at some point it'll sink in. Hopefully at some point we'll see the importance of these things. And here's the first one. It's prayer. It's prayer. In fact, whenever we, whenever we don't know what to pray, Romans 8 would tell us that the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for us. Come on, don't you just want the Spirit of God praying on your behalf when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to pray? And then the next verse right after that, and we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is praying for you, when the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, He's praying the will of God every single time. It reminds me of the importance of praying in the Spirit, what Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, how many of you know that covers it all? Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I think prayer is one way that praying in the Spirit especially is one way that we stay alert. We stay alert. Now I'm connected to God. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying. I'm communicating with God. And right after Paul, I mentioned this last week, I believe, but right after Paul goes through the armor, Put on the armor, put on the armor, put on this, put on this, put on this. This is what it represents. Right at the end of that, he says this verse. And pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Can I ask you a question? How can you pray in the Spirit if you have not received the Holy Spirit? And many of you, listen, many of you, like you've, you've given your life to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of you, but you have not activated anything. And you're living without the power that we talked about last week. And you're living without, you know, this, this praying in the Spirit. Like you haven't activated what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. What He wants to do on the inside of you. What He wants to do through you. He's, he's, he's there to help you. He's there to lead you. He's there to give you the things that God, your Heavenly Father, wants you to have. 
And we have to, act, we have to receive him, activate what he's doing in our life. So prayer is the first one. Worship team, you can come back and help me. Here's the second one. Read God's word. Read God's word. I love this because right after in the same chapter, John 16, Jesus goes on to tell us that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to reveal truth to us. He's going to lead us into all truth. The word of God is the truth of God. How can, how can the Holy Spirit reveal things out of God's word to us, the truth of God's word to us, if we are not in it? We have to read the word of God. Look at these verses. The psalmist said this, Psalm 119, 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not send it to you. I have, I have read it over and over again. I have recited it over and over again. I've got it on sticky notes all throughout my house. I've got it in note cards in my Bible. I've got it on the mirror in my vehicle. I've got it everywhere so that I see it and I'm reciting it and I'm quoting it and I'm hiding it in my heart so that I may not sin against you. 2 Timothy 3 tells us this about Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. And is, check, out, check out this terminology. It's useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What is God using to prepare and equip you? His word. What is God using to teach you? His word. What is useful for you? His word. What helps you realize what is wrong in your life? His word. What corrects you? His word. What teaches you to do what is right? His word. The Bible is God's word and it shows us how to keep our mind focused on these things, it trains us to be disciples. It's important. And then here's the last one, just very practically. How do we give control? I think by, through prayer, I think it's through being in the Word. And here's the last one, listen for His voice. Listen for His voice. We talked about this a little bit last week, but the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. Those impressions, those thoughts that you're having to do something or this or that or what, like the Holy Spirit wants to prompt you. He wants to speak to you. I love this because it's the same verse that I just quoted a minute ago, the first part of it. But Jesus, in the same conversation with his disciples in verse 13 of John 16, he says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And check this out. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. If God is not a speaking God, then how can the Holy Spirit speak and tell these things to us. He is leading us into truth and he is speaking to us. He is leading us into truth and he is speaking to us. We open up his word and he's leading us into all truth and we listen for his voice and he's speaking to us. It says that he's not going to speak on his own. No, he speaks what he hears. It reminds me of Jesus. You know, I don't do anything or say anything that I don't hear my father doing or saying. The Holy Spirit's the same way. He doesn't speak on his own. No, he speaks what he hears. He hears it and he speaks it to you. He hears it and he prompts you to do it. He hears it and he speaks it to your heart. We stand to your feet. One writer sums all of this up this way. I love this quote. It says, we can choose love or hate, joy or misery, peace or tumult, goodness or evil, and so on. It isn't hard to decide which is better. It isn't hard to know how we get the fruits of goodness. But we have to make a conscious decision to let the Holy Spirit firmly plant himself in our lives. 
then he will produce the good fruits of God in us and through us. And here in just a few weeks, we're going to do an entire message on the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives. What should be coming out of us. But before we get to that, we have to, we have to learn to give the Holy Spirit control. Whew, we like control. We like to be in control. We like to have our hands on things and know what's coming and all these different things. No, we have to give the Spirit control. And when He's in control, we won't go back into slavery to sin. When He's in control, we won't give in to the flesh. When He's in control, He leads us into all truth. When He's in control, we will experience true freedom. When He's in control. Not freedom to just do whatever we want to do but free from slavery to sin and free to live for God. Free to walk it out. It is for freedom that you have been set free so that you can stay free. We have to give the Holy Spirit control of our lives every single day. When you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you. In fact, our prayer team can come down and get ready. But I just want you right where you are, just ask, just ask the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you. Is there, is there some area of my life that I have not given you control? And just give him permission right now to point that thing out. Is there an area of my life where I have not given you control? God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and everything. You have been better to us than we ever deserve. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church of people that every day we get up and we give you control. That we don't take the wheel, but we give you control. That we walk with you every day. And that by walking by your Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So help us to live this out. Help us to surrender. To give you control of everything. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we sing this last song together, that if there's anybody here in this room who needs prayer for anything. Lord, that pride would fall, that anything that would keep them from receiving prayer would fall, and that they would slip out of their seat and they would come receive prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.